that they have the bar in. In other words, they go out to nightclubs, they go out to discos, they go out here and there to different parties, and this is where they meet one another. They date. All of these things we know are from the means that they have in order to meet one another, in order for them to get to know one another, and then they would consider each other for marriage after that. But what about the Muslims? Because we know that for the Muslims, it is unlawful to do any of these things. Is it conceivable that you, O Muslim, that you, O Muslimah, when you are looking for someone to marry, that man that you would want to marry, that woman that you want to marry, is it conceivable that it comes even to your mind that you go to a bar, that you go to a discotheque, hoping to meet someone with whom you will share the rest of your life and establish an Islamic home? It is something that doesn't come to your thoughts whatsoever. And I will be very frank with you. There may be amongst us some brothers and sisters with Riyadh Billah, and I have to be frank with you, because we are brothers and sisters, I will be very honest with you. We know that amongst us, amongst our youth particularly, there are those who do frequent the bars. I'm not a liar, and you know it, and you know it well. Amongst our youth, there are those who frequent the discotheque, the club. But when they want to get married, throughout their lives, throughout their youth, they've been attending these places. Then comes the time when they want to get married. Do you think that even that disobedient slave of Allah, that young man or that young woman who used to frequent the past, do you think that now when he or she wants to get married, if they had any being in them whatsoever, that they would even consider anyone that they had met in those bars? It is not conceivable. It's not possible they would think of marrying someone there because they know what happens in that type of place. They know what type of filth carries on in those places, so they would never even consider such a thing. So then, how is it that a young man or a young woman, a Muslim man or woman, how is it that they would find someone? Well, some of them have found solutions. They call it Islamic dating. And they call it whatever they call it. So what do they do? They set up websites. These are Islamic organizations in which they give the youth a chance to meet with one another, to communicate with one another, and then they will set up for them certain venues, certain places where they will meet, perhaps in the basement of the masjid, perhaps in some community center, and they will have a dinner together and so on and so forth, and the youth will be left alone together, the boys and the girls. They hang out together, they go out shopping together, they go out bowling and so on and so forth together. This is a reality, it happens. It happens in some of the very large Islamic organizations. This is not a practical solution, and it most certainly is not an Islamic solution. Let it be well known. So still we say, so how am I going to do it? How am I going to find a potential spouse for myself? We say, that yet it is very possible even in this part of the world for us to do it as it is done in the Muslim world or as it used to be done in the Muslim world in a very dignified and a very respectful manner. First and foremost, you as a Muslim, with whom should, be, should you be mixing on a daily basis? You should be mixing with other Muslims. Unlike what is common today, that we Muslims, we distance ourselves from other Muslims. And we keep as our best friends, and we keep as our regular associates, people who are not Muslims, the enemies of Allah and the enemies of Islam. 
If you want that you are going to be able to find a good spouse for your child, then first and foremost remember that you have to be mixing with the Muslims. You have to make yourself known in the Muslim community. And let's face it, we live in the land of Kufr. How is that going to happen? Where are you going to meet with these Muslims? You will find them in the Masajid. And you will find them in the Islamic centers. This is where you will find them. So this is the first thing you have to keep in mind. This is where the networking will begin. You will meet your fellow Muslims, people who pray with you in the masjid. Some of them have sisters, some of them have brothers who want to get married, some of them have cousins, some of them have other friends that live in different parts of the city. They don't attend the same masjid as you. They have daughters, they have sons, and so on and so forth, nephews and nieces. So then when you present yourself to the masjid, when you meet with the Muslims on a regular basis, and somebody sees that you have taqwa, inshaAllah ta'ala, that you are a God-fearing person, and they have a daughter that they want to marry, they don't have to look very far. When they look around them, they will see someone. When you want to get married, you will mention it to your neighbor. You will mention it to one of your fellow Muslims, and the word will get around. You will mention it to the imam of the masjid. Not like some people do. They send an email, or they you know, place a phone call, and they come to the imam of the masjid, and he's never seen this person in his life before. If you say, I want you to help me get married, and then what? This is a great responsibility. Find you a woman and tell her, here's a guy that wants to get married, but I have no idea of his background. I have no idea who he is, where he comes from, what he does, whether he is of good character, etc., etc. It doesn't make sense. So then it is essential and it is extremely important that we attend the massages and the Islamic centers, that we mix with the Muslims and we socialize with the Muslims. This is the best way that you can build up your networking. As for what some of them do, thinking that when there's a funeral, this is the best time to attend because then you can get a look at some of the women. When there is an Islamic conference where there is intermingling like the Isra and the Isra and the Fitna conferences, then of course, this is also not this is also not allowed. Rather, it is prohibited. How can you go with that intention? And first of all, you know that that kind of intermingling is, is forbidden. So we do it in a dignified manner, that we look to our fellow Muslims and we spread the word around. And before all of that, although I didn't mention it, but it is implied and it is known to each and every one of you, before all of that it takes a dua, a dua, supplication. Turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Stay awake during the night, some portion of the night, praying to Allah jalla wa'ala. Stand in Qiyamul Layl. What about these practical means? Of course, all of us want those, as they call them, quick solutions, those magical solutions. You want that magic pill, when you want to get married, there has to be a woman there, that's it. It has to happen very quickly and it has to happen the way that you want, without any great effort on your part. La ikhwan, it doesn't work that way. Stand before Allah in the middle of the night, raise your hand and beg of Allah to assist you and to help you. And then as I said, meet with the Muslims, communicate with the Muslims, and inshaAllah ta'ala you will find that you will start meeting uh, people who will be able to get you in touch with others for the sake for the sake of marriage. Now, you may find that it is extremely difficult, and so I want to also live with the reality and tell you that there are some, not all, but there are some Islamic websites who do it in a dignified manner. Al Mustaqun, I believe, is one of them. You go to some of these websites. And they do not allow you to have direct contact with the other individual, whether it be a man or a woman. 
but rather they get you in touch with the wali, the guardian of that woman. So if a man is interested in a woman, because he sees that her wali, her guardian, has shown some interest in getting her married to someone, and they lay out certain guidelines of what kind of individual they are looking for, inshallah ta'ala there is nothing wrong in dealing with those types, with those types of websites. Because you know that inshallah ta'ala no fitna will take place. You will be in touch with the family members of that woman and you will not be in touch with the woman herself. They will question you and interrogate you. They will set you out before allowing the two of you to meet, for example. So this is another way that we have in this day and age. Many people when they hear me, they will say, but what about the dating scene? What about, you know, really getting to know the person? Because, I mean, you know, we hear about divorces, especially now amongst the Muslims. It was known that amongst the Muslims previously there was not that high a rate of divorce, but now there are many, many divorces. So how is it that I'm going to be able to meet a woman whom I will be comfortable with? Whom, I mean, how am I going to get to know her and get married to her? And now, if you're telling me to do it through her wali and so on and so forth, when am I ever going to know her? I mean, I want that, you know, it should be a marriage based on love, for example. Let me tell you a fact. Let me tell you a fact. The vast majority of those so-called love marriages, meaning the two of them, the man and the woman, they need one another. And they happen to meet one another through means which are not lawful and not acceptable Islamically. They go with one another. They may date, they may speak freely on the telephone, on the internet, through letter writing. They will send one another pictures. They will meet one another in the mall and so on and so forth. The vast majority of them end up in divorce. Because it's very easy when you are courting someone, when you're looking for someone to marry, it is very easy for you to pretend and act before them. But do you think that that person is going to reveal all of their secrets to you? If anybody thinks that by going out with someone in that way, that you are really going to get to know them, right? And then you will be able to make a decision based upon that, whether or not you want to marry them. I say that you're living in a dream world. I say that you have fooled yourself. SubhanAllah Sometimes we don't use that gray matter that Allah has provided us with. Amongst whom is the, is the rate of divorce highest? It is amongst the non-Muslims. Okay, as far as the non-Muslims are concerned, do they do it in a dignified manner like us? Or is it that with them there's nothing wrong with dating? With them they go out, with, they may even live with one another. As they say, they will test drive one another for some period of time before they get married. Yet the majority of them end up in divorce. So now what, you want to follow the same procedure? Thinking that it is going to lead to a marriage which is going to last, then we have been fooled and we have been deceived, undoubtedly. So my dear brothers and sisters in Islam, the proper way to meet someone or to find someone with whom you can get married is the, ma- the way that you mentioned. Through our families, through our brothers and sisters in the masajid, in a very dignified and a very noble in a very, uh, a very nice manner, and not freely contacting people, whether it be through the internet or the phone or, or whatever else it may be. Right. As far as the courting is concerned, then, are we saying to you, I mean, somebody might think from what I'm saying, that if I find a woman uh, that could be a potential spouse through this brother or through this sister and so on and so forth, 
then what do I just say? I want to get married, and they say yes, and I just see her on the night of the wedding. Is that it? Of course, this is practiced in much of the Muslim world, and this is another reality. But this has nothing to do with the Sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ. These arranged marriages usually also are not that successful. Many of them are, alhamdulillah, but they are not the most successful of marriages in general. So what is the guidance that we find in the Sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ? Remember now that you want to find a woman or you want to find a man that you could potentially marry, you ask about them. You look to see who are the people that they hang out with, their friends and so on and so forth. You look to see what the family is like. These are all the types of things you do. And because you now have connections in the masjid and in the Islamic center, then you're able to ask many things. You can send, for example, if, it, if you're a man, you can send some women folk from your family to go and meet this woman even before you get in touch with her. And for the woman, she can send some of her men folk to go and see what this man is all about. And once you're content that inshallah ta'ala this woman or this man has that religious dedication, that they are of good character, the best of, you know, of the information that you have received, then what is the next step? Then the next step is that you would want to see this individual. Of course, usually something that the people want to do. They want to see this potential star. They don't want to have a surprise on the wedding night, you know, and be really shocked. It may be that it doesn't work out quite the way that they anticipated. You know, four guys like four foot two and he gets seven foot woman. I mean, you know, it could be a problem. Or there are certain qualities that he was looking for in the woman and he doesn't, he doesn't find them. And so there is no physical attraction whatsoever. It could be very, very difficult for both parties involved. And so, for the two of them to meet in an Islamic environment, this is not only permitted, but it is from the Sunnah of the Prophet for one of them, when he proposed to a woman and he wanted to get married, he came to the Prophet ﷺ and he informed him of that. And he asked him, have you taken a look at her? Have you seen this woman? And when he said no, then the Prophet ﷺ, he told him to go and to take a look at her. He said, go and take a look at her, because then it will be more likely that there will be compassion between the two of you. That the two of you will get along. Also, one of them when he came to the or when the news came to the Prophet that he proposed to a woman, then he told him also, Did you look at her? And he said no. He said, Go and take a look at her. Because from the women or in the woman of Ansar, they have a problem in their eyes. You see? So we see clearly from this and many other texts of the Sunnah of the Prophet that it is permitted for the man to see the woman and for the woman to see the man. But, once again, it has to be in an Islamic fashion. That is, first and foremost, you do not take a look at that woman just for the sake of looking. We spoke previously about lowering the gaze and how we are not to look freely at other women. So when you are seriously considering marriage to a woman, that is the time it is lawful for you to take a look at her and to take a good look at her. What part of her do you look at? then the most correct opinion amongst the ulama is that you look at those parts of her which are normally visible. In other words, uh, for the most part you know that the face and the hands and the feet, these are the things that you would take a look at. And by looking at these things, you get a rough idea of, uh, of that individual, of what that woman looks like. And for the men, yes, 
you may set up an appointment, you may make arrangements that in the presence of the wali of that woman, you sit in their home or in your home or wherever it may be, and you get to look at the woman once again if you are seriously considering marriage, not just for the sake of looking, of looking at her. And of course, the woman has every right to look at the man as well. Not only that, but we have yet another suggestion that you speak to that potential spouse because you need to know something about that person and you ask straightforward and very pointed questions perhaps you want to ask that individual or perhaps you as an individual want to make it clear to that potential spouse what your expectations are in life or you want to ask them what are your expectations what do you want in a husband what do you want in a wife and so on and so forth these types of questions we ask and we can discuss them but once again, we do them in an Islamic environment. We do them in the presence of the wali, the guardian of that woman, who is generally her father, and so on and so forth. Once again, although it is in that gathering, it doesn't mean that this wali has to sit right in between the two of them and listen to each and every word that is, that is being you know, said, but rather it should be done in that type of an atmosphere where this man is there as a chaperone, if you will, and inshallah ta'ala in that way, the doors of fitna are closed because we know as the Prophet has mentioned to us that when a man and a woman are alone together then what? The third of them is the shaitan. Nobody should be too sure of themselves. This is a great mistake that we have. Many of us think that Alhamdulillah have a good heart and so on and so forth but none of us are immune from the shaitan. The Prophet he told us how we should behave and so we should behave in that fashion. Much of what I'm saying some people are looking at it and saying, wow, the times have changed. Like he's still living in the stone age or something of that nature. But I remind myself and I remind all of you of the words of Allah Jalla wa'ala. وَمَا كَانَ لِمُؤْمِنٍ وَلَا مُؤْمِنَةٍ إِذَا قَضَى اللَّهُ وَرَسُولُهُ أَمْرًا أَنْ يَكُونَ لَهُمُ الْخِيرَةِ مِنْ أَمْرِهِمْ Allah Jalla wa'ala has told us, it is not befitting for a believer, a man or a woman, that when Allah and His Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam have decreed something, that they should have an opinion in the matter. They, they should have a say in the matter. What I am relating to you about courting and so on and so forth, this is what we find in our deen. This is what Allah and His Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam are pleased with for us. So for us to come with anything else, for us to say, yeah, but times have changed. Now they have to go alone with one another. They have to, you know, spend more uh, relaxed time together. Like, what's wrong with them going to a public place? Like, you know, they go to the bread garden or wherever, and they'll have a coffee. It's in public. It's, it's with the people. What's wrong with that? And so on and so forth. Right? Saying the times have changed, and so this is more appropriate for this day and age. You say to them, still, we do not accept it. It is as though you are saying, beware. When one of us gives our opinion after the decree of Allah and His Messenger sallallahu it is as though one of us are saying, yes, Allah and His Messenger sallallahu has expressed their opinion, but I have a, another opinion. It is as severe as that. Think about it and think about it carefully. It is as though you're saying that yes, it's nice to hear from others. It's nice to know what Allah and His Rasul uh, you know, has an opinion in this, in this regard, in this matter, but we have another opinion, and we, through our experience, have seen that something else works better. So then be careful. And believe me, because 
reason why many people look to see that how come there is such a high rate of divorce amongst the Muslims today. And this is a reality. The divorce rate amongst the Muslims is increasing day by day. Well, how come? Certainly the marriages are not being carried out as they used to be. There are many, many reasons. Amongst the main reasons why these marriages are not working out is that in the time of courting, the people are not using the proper procedures. But rather they have now taken the way of the kuffar. Because they started imitating the kuffar, and this is the consequence, it is not going to be successful. So I warn each and every one of you, you the parents, also have to be careful. Don't allow your sons and your daughters to freely intermingle with others of, uh, of the same gender, uh, of, of the opposite gender. This is very dangerous. And then, you know, when they come to you and they want to get married, you know, we met here and we met there. We've been, we've been seeing each other for so long and we try to say, MashaAllah, now we don't have to worry. They've done, they've done that job for us. Believe me that in these cases, this is when we find that there is a lot uh, there's a lot of trouble in those, in those marriages. So now, an individual has seen the woman, seen the man, they have asked one another questions and so on and so forth. How long does this last for? How long does it last for? We cannot say that there is any specified period of time. But we say that you speak to that individual until you're content, until you are happy that whatever questions that you may have had are answered the best, you know, the best they can be answered. So perhaps it will be only one meeting, half an hour, 45 minutes. And don't say, like, that's impossible. It happened to me. I'm not telling you third-hand information. It happened to me. One meeting of 45 minutes in the presence of the wali. We saw one another. We discussed some issues. And alhamdulillah, after that, Salat al-Istihara and the rest of the day was history. But it can happen that you can do it in one meeting, perhaps two, perhaps ten. It may take longer, but in the presence of the wali. Don't make the mistake of saying, all right, we'll exchange emails, we'll write to one another, we'll send each other pictures, we'll talk on the phone. Yeah, this is haram, haram, haram. It is unlawful for you. You are not married. You are only considering marriage. And as I said, it's very easy for each party to pretend and to put forward only that which they want the other one to know. So ask those questions, watch the body language, look at the responses that come to certain very specific and pointed questions, and once that is done, once you have made all of, or done all of the investigation, as they say, you ask others about that potential spouse and so on and so forth, then you make salat al-istikhara, which many people have abandoned. You pray two rak'ah, nafira, others in the qariba, two optional uh, units of prayer, and you turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from the bottom of your heart, begging of Him to guide you. And by the way, salat al-istikhara doesn't have to be done at night before you go to sleep and so on and so forth. It can be done at any time of day, as long as it is outside, but to be outside of the time we shot, makroo. We do salat al-istikhara, you make that dua, and inshaAllah ta'ala, Allah jalla wa'ala will guide you towards that which is right. And of course you've done some consultation with your parents and other family members and so on and so forth. The evening he jalla wa'ala, this way you can now make a decision as to whether or not you want to propose to that woman. Then comes what you know as the khitbah. This proposal simply means that the man, for example, or even the woman, is not ashamed for the family of the woman to offer their daughter in marriage to someone. It is not ashamed for the woman to offer herself to a man in marriage. As many people think, if you look to the sunnah of the Prophet, 
you will find that all of this did take place in the time of the Prophet So then, either way is permitted the proposal. What this is, is that either one of the two sides says to the other that I really would like to marry you. Correct? And the other side perhaps will want some time and so on and so forth, and they say that's all right, perhaps it will be right away, perhaps after some time the answer comes that yes, inshallah ta'ala, we accept the proposal. It is a proposal of marriage. This is an unbinding agreement, a legally unbinding agreement, I should say. In other words, you have not become husband and wife. Like you can't test drive now. You can't date and be alone together and talk freely on the phone now. This is simply an agreement. There's a proposal and the other side said, yes, inshallah ta'ala will get married and at any time, Either one of the two sides can back out of that agreement, of course it's an agreement, so they could try to fulfill that agreement, but perhaps one side or the other finds out some information that was unexpected, and they may change their mind. Is that understood? So just because a man has proposed to a woman, it doesn't give them the right to freely intermingle now. Before you are not allowed to speak freely, still you are not allowed to speak freely. Before you are allowed to see her for the purposes of, you know, considering her in marriage, now you have already proposed, you should not be looking at her now, she's not your wife. You cannot share pictures and so on and so forth. Is that clear? None of this is allowed. You are still strangers to one another. You wait now until you're married for the rest, for the rest to take place. So this is extremely, extremely important for us to know. What does it mean when we talk about courting? And what does the khitbah or the proposal mean? What are the implications of the khitbah? They are simply this, that there is an agreement between the two and they should try to live up to that agreement. However, you are not allowed to freely intermingle with one another. There is no special celebration as is common amongst the people uh, when they get engaged, as they say. A huge party and so on. There's gift exchanging. There is no such thing. This we have taken from the habits of the kuffar. There is no exchanging of rings and so on and so forth. This also has nothing to do with the Islamic practices. I took a lot more time than I had anticipated speaking on this, but I hope, inshallah ta'ala, that it was beneficial. The reason I stress these things is because of what I see in our community, what I see widespread amongst us, the Muslims, and there are many, many wrongs that are, carrying out, that are being carried out. I beg of Allah ta'ala, to give us a proper understanding of these matters. Today, insha'Allah ta'ala, we go back to the practices of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. The day that we handle ourselves in a dignified manner, that day we will see how the marriages that take place will be long-lasting marriages. Marriages which are filled with blessings. أَقُولُ قَوْلِ هَذَا وَأَسْتَغْفِرُ اللَّهَ لِي وَلَكُمْ وَلِكَارِ الْمُسْلِمِينَ فَاسْتَغْفِرُوا إِنَّهُ هُوَ الْغَفُورُ الرَّحِيمُ الحمد لله رب العالمين والعاقبة للمتقين ولا عدوان إلا على الظالمين وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله صلى الله عليه وعلى آله وصحبه ومن تبعهم بإحسان إلى يوم الدين أما بعد أجي برادز السفر الإسلام before we conclude this afternoon and you have heard me use the word wali a few times. And perhaps some of you are asking, what is this word wali? What does it mean? Basically it means a guardian of the woman. Because as we find in the authentic sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ, it is not lawful for a woman 
it is not lawful for a woman, and by the way, when he says for the woman, it includes both the virgin as well as one who is not a virgin, one who has previously been married or one who has not been married previously. It includes all women. It is not lawful for a woman to get married without a wali, without a guardian, without a man. And the wali is a Muslim man who will take or who will look after the affairs of that woman. And generally, generally, who is the wali of that woman? It is her father. And in the absence of her father, it would be her grandfather. And in the absence of that, perhaps she was married previously and she had a son who has reached the age of puberty. It would be her son. Otherwise, it would be her brother. In other words, starting with her father and thereafter, the closest of her male relatives, the closest of her male relatives and the fuqaha have a list, the ulama or the scholars of Islam have a list as to how that goes. Who takes charge if one is not available? Or if, for example, the father deputes somebody else, he would say that yes, that perhaps he's far away, so he would say, okay, I put my son in charge. So the woman has to have a wali. Otherwise, it is not lawful for her to get married without that wali. And the duty of that wali is a very serious and a very dangerous one indeed. He is responsible for her. Allah will hold him accountable. Even if it's not a dummy who sits there and listens to her and says, Oh, you're interested in this guy? Okay, that's fine. I'll be there the day of the marriage. Uh, as, as it happens in many occasions these days. Even with fathers. They don't care. They let the daughter go out and meet the guy and be with him and so on and so on. that I want to get married. Okay, that's fine. Where's the wedding? Let's plan the wedding now. Without him having any active part whatsoever. But the wali, that man who is the guardian over that woman, has to make sure that he has in his mind the best interest of that woman. So he wants to make sure that this man who is proposing to her, this man who is interested in marrying her, that he is a good Muslim. He is one who fears Allah one who has good character. He asks here and there. He, he, he has to make certain that the well-being of this woman is what is in his mind. Not that, oh, yeah, he's a free, you know, he's a powerful guy, he has good contact, let me marry him, you know, to my sister or to my, to my daughter, and who knows what can come out of it, you know, business connections and so on and so forth. This should not be anywhere in your mind whatsoever. Just the well-being of that woman. And a question arises, and especially of course in this part of the world, we have some sisters who have come newly to Islam, and so they have no male relatives who can act as their wali because their male, their male relatives are non-Muslims, for example. And we know that by consensus, the non-Muslim man cannot be a wali of a Muslim woman. So then who is her wali? Well, the common practice is that I know sister so-and-so and her husband's a good guy, you know, so he'll be my wali. Or I know in the masjid, some people, and, and they told me about a guy, he's, you know, He's, he's a good guy and he's easy going, but he's my wali. And they appoint a wali for themselves. This is not appropriate. This is not correct. This is not the way that you find yourself a wali. But rather, if we look again to the sunnah of the Prophet alayhi salatu wasalam, we will find that in the absence of a wali, one from her, one of her male relatives who can act as her wali as a guardian, in the absence of that individual, then it is the Islamic authority. Right? In the Muslim world, for example, the judge of the Sharia court or the Imam of a masjid and so on and so forth. In this part of the world, do we have that? We don't have any Islamic authorities per se like we have in the Muslim world, but we look to people of knowledge, people who have wisdom, 
not just somebody who is uncle so and so said he's old, you know, he's got experience and he's going to be my wife. This is not the way it works. Not because so and so is easy going, he's married to my, you know, to, to my friend, so he's, her husband will be my wife. This is not the way it goes. We look to see in the Masajid, in the Islamic centers, people ask from authority, meaning not only that they hold the, the position of president or vice president, we're looking for people who have understanding of the being. This is number one. One of those who is looked to for advice, who has understanding of the being, and who practices the being on, in, in, his, in, in, in his daily life, not just because he has a position. That should be very clear in our minds. So the worry has to be an individual who has a good understanding of what his duties are, and to understand that he's responsible for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so my advice now is for those of you who are the awliya, whether you be fathers, whether you be brothers, or whether you be people in a position of authority who has been made a wali or a woman. I say to you, fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala regarding these women. You will be asked about them on the day of Qiyamah. This is a great responsibility, it is not a joke. You make sure that you find out everything that is necessary before allowing that marriage to take, to take place. I hope, inshaAllah ta'ala, we have gotten a little bit more understanding on some of these issues of marriage. Next week we'll continue on this issue of marriage. We'll talk about the marriage contract and some of the things that have to be present in that marriage contract. And we'll continue, as I said, until we finish this topic, no matter how long it takes us. وأحسن الهدي هدي محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وشر الأمور محدثاتها وكل محدثة بدعة وكل بدعة ضلالة وكل ضلالة في النار وعليكم أيها المسلمون بالجماعة فإن يد الله على الجماعة ومن شد شد في النار واعلموا أن الجماعة هي تمثل بالكتاب والسنة وبمن هدي الصحابة الكرام رضوان الله تعالى عليهم أجمعين يا ابن آدم أحبب ما شئت فإنك مفارقه وأعمل ما شئت فإنك مراقيه وكن كما شئت فكما تدين سبان ثم صلوا وسلموا على خاتم النبيين وإمام المرسلين فقد أمركم الله بذلك في كتابه المبين فقال جل من قائل إن الله وملائكته يصلون على النبي يا أيها الذين آمنوا صلوا عليه وسلموا تسليما وقال عليه الصلاة والسلام من صلى علي واحدة صلى الله عليه بها عشرا اللهم صل وسلم وبارك وأنعم على عبدك ورسولك محمد ورب اللهم عن الخلفاء الراشدين أبي بكر وعمر وعثمان وعلي وعن سائر الصحابة والتابعين ومن تبعهم بإحسان إلى يوم الدين اللهم أعز الإسلام والمسلمين وأذل الكفرة والمشركين ودمر أعداء الدين اللهم أهلك الزنابق والملحدين اللهم اغفر لجميع المؤمنين والمؤمنات والمسلمين والمسلمات الأحياء منهم والأموات إنك سميع قريب مجيب الدعوات ورافع الدرجات برحمتك يا أرحم الراحمين اللهم فرج هم المهمومين ونفس كرب المطلوبين وطرب الدين عن المدينين واشف اللهم مرض المسلمين وارحم موتاهم أجمعين يا رحمن يا رحيم اللهم انصر المجاهدين في سبيلك في كل مكان اللهم انصر المسلمين المستضعفين اللهم خذ بأيديهم وعجل بنصرهم يا ذا الجلال والإكرام 
اللهم ارنا الحق حقا وارزقنا اتباعه وارنا الباطل باطلا وارزقنا اجتنابه ربنا ظلمنا انفسنا وان لم تغفر لنا وترحمنا لنكونن من الخاسرين لئن لم يغفر لنا ربنا ويرحمنا لنكونن من الخاسرين ربنا آتنا في الدنيا حسنه وفي الاخره حسنه وقنا عذاب النار سبحان ربك رب العزه عما يصفون وسلام على المرسلين والحمد لله رب العالمين قوموا الى صلاتكم رحمكم الله